Part 20, second edition, due to Deliva's interruption. What is faith? Hello, I'm Willie George. I want to welcome you to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. And we're talking about the subject of faith. And by the way, if you haven't done it already, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube podcast. And you can really help me out by hitting the little like button down at the bottom of the screen. That that will uh, help uh, put us out in front of more people. And uh, help me spread the word with this. Tell somebody about it. And if you hadn't done it already, go to the website and subscribe to the email devotional that comes every day. It's for free. And so we'll give you a written version of this as well. Ephesians 6.16 Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Satan loves to throw fiery darts at us in a variety of different ways, but every one of them can be rendered null and void. They can be rendered ineffective. You know, in Isaiah... God said, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. He didn't say that a weapon would not be formed against you because uh, all through the scriptures we see that weapons were continually formed against God's people. But what we see is that those who knew how to stand in faith saw that those weapons did not prosper. And in fact, the very thing that was forged was flipped and turned back on the enemy who came with that weapon. Now... What we learn in watching Jesus is He gave us a pattern. He showed us how to deal with temptation. Christ came to be a man on planet earth. Doesn't mean He wasn't God, but He laid down the God powers, not the God identity. He laid down all of the powers of being God. In Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says He made Himself of no reputation, meaning that Jesus became like a man, which meant that he could be tempted. If God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. It's what James 1 says. So if Jesus is in a totally God form, completely God, then uh, he is uh, unable to be tempted. But he had to be able to be tempted, so he took upon him the form of a human being. And, and in that way, he showed us how to deal effectively with temptation. So I want to read to you from the book of Matthew, chapter 4, and we'll begin reading in verse 1, and it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, a word here about that. The Holy Spirit does not lead you or me into any wilderness to be tempted by the devil. We don't need to be led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil because we are already tempted when we're drawn away of our own lust. Jesus had no lust in His flesh because He was pure. He had never sinned. So there was nothing in His flesh to pull on Him, to pull Him towards sin. He didn't have that. His flesh was not fallen. He was a perfect human being. Uh, only the second man to walk on planet Earth like that since Adam, freed from sin. So Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Now he is in a very delicate situation here, one that is ripe for temptation. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Now this is a real temptation 
And it was designed to actually kill Jesus because after fasting for 40 days, not having any food to eat at all, uh, probably only water to drink, uh, Jesus would have died had he turned stones to bread and had he eaten them. The solid food after that long period of time coming off a fast would immediately bring him into a serious medical condition. So this is what the tempter intended to do. It was use this intense hunger to destroy Jesus. But Jesus was wise to it. And he answers the tempter and he says this, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So immediately upon being tempted, Jesus raises his shield of faith and he absorbs the dart that is thrown against him. There is no arguing. There is no indication that Jesus stopped for a while and contemplated this. Jesus resisted this temptation immediately. Then the Bible says, The devil took him into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And uh, one version says, lest you dash your foot against a stone at any time. That was something that was added by the devil in the temptation. But Jesus immediately knew better than to do what Satan had suggested. And he said this, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. What was Satan doing there? It was a shortcut. It wasn't really a shortcut, but it appeared as a shortcut. If Jesus goes to the temple and he's up on the pinnacle and jumps down and everybody there, all the leaders and the chief priests and scribes, the leaders of Israel are present, they see the angels catch him, then, whoa, this must be somebody special. Uh, that's what Satan was throwing at him. But Jesus knew that this would not result in that. He knew he'd die if he did that, so he didn't jump. And again the devil took him up to an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. All three times, immediately, Jesus resisted the devil. I mean, he shut him down immediately. He never allowed Satan to take him for a moment into the thought realm. Now, I want to talk about that for a minute because Satan wants to use home court advantage in all of his temptations. If he can get you into the arena where he wins most of his battles, then he will lure you and do everything in his power to get you there. It's called the thought realm. And he wants you to try to outthink him. He wants you to reason with him. It's what the devil did when he asked a question to Eve. Has God said, you shall not eat of all the trees in the garden? Get your mind thinking. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3, 4, and 5, uh, the Bible talks about the four-step process that Satan uses to build a stronghold in your mind. And it all begins with a thought. And the Bible says that we're to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Well, what is that? That means that we take those thoughts, and if they do not obey Christ, they don't obey the Word of God, we reject them. That's lifting up the shield against the dart that is thrown at your mind. Now, 
Satan cannot tempt you with an exotic temptation or put on the heat or the pressure beyond what you were able to bear. Let me read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has taken you except as such, except such as, as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So the Bible says here that Satan has to play within certain boundaries. He cannot tempt you beyond what you have the ability to withstand. And, uh, and if he did do that, God would step in on the other side and even the score by giving you supernatural help against that. But, but we don't get hit with exotic temptations that we uh, that don't know how to overcome. In fact, the Bible says temptations are common, that, that, that you may think that they're unusual, that you're getting hit with something that nobody else has ever faced. And, and i got to tell you, if, if you feel like you're in a place right now where nobody knows what you're going through, nobody can understand it, nobody has ever quite been through what you're going through, that is a lie of the devil. It is his way of, of, of isolating you, trying to make you think that God's Word will not work for you like it did other people, because after all, what you're getting hit with right now is different than what they've been hit with. And can I tell you this? We don't all get hit with the same temptations. So you may have a good friend who is tempted, and the devil comes at them in different ways, but he doesn't come at them the way that he comes at you. You may face temptations that not many people around you face, but that doesn't mean that those temptations are not faced all the time by other people. I used to think that some of the things I went through were very unique to me, that I was the only one, but I started realizing that was what the devil was telling me. You are the only one who's ever had to face this. Nobody else knows this. And after I lived a little bit and, and uh, got to be around a n- number of other Christians, I started realizing I'm not the only one who's ever faced this. And so that's one of Satan's great weapons. Now, what you see in the temptations that Jesus faced is that he immediately answered them. He didn't wait. He immediately absorbed every dart, and he didn't insult the devil. He didn't curse the devil. He didn't uh, use. Uh, 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 he didn't denigrate the devil by calling him names. Didn't do any of that. Wouldn't have done any good. He answered the devil with the word, and that means he received those thoughts with the shield of faith. Now, got to tell you this. One of Satan's favorite ploys is to hit you in the middle of the night. You may wake up and boom, there's a fear that comes at you. And it's the devil working at you when you're a little bit weak. You're not fully awake. And in darkness, things always seem to be worse. The nighttime, in fact, that's what we use. We use midnight as a symbol of the darkest possible time. I want to tell you that when you wake up and you get hit with those things, don't just ignore them or don't just dwell on them and think about them. Let your faith come in contact with those thoughts. When you begin to declare an opposing scripture, one that addresses the situation that you're facing, and I mean there are times when about the only scripture you know is, for God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. When that thought is fearful, uh, then that, that's a good scripture to say. Uh, the, the next day when you wake up, you may find other scriptures that are more uh, specific to what it is you're facing, but the Word of God works in spite of what verse you use. You always 
respond to the devil with, it is written. Now, when you contemplate what Satan says to you and you don't answer immediately with the word, you're, you're telegraphing a message to him that you're not going to use your shield. And can I tell you what a lot of people do? They think that in order to resist the devil, they have to know exactly how God is going to deliver them. And there are a number of times in Scripture where the people who were delivered didn't know how God was going to deliver them, but they trusted God anyway. And as they got into the battle, they could see their way out of the temptation. They could see the how of the deliverance. You don't have to know the how of deliverance to be delivered from temptation. All you have to know is that God is on your side and He has given you a weapon to use to overcome that temptation from the enemy. Here's where you win the battle. It is through your faith. Your faith always holds the answer. Now listen to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. King James says this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. What does that mean? It means as long as I respond in faith, I have victory. I have the victory as long as I respond in faith. I don't have to know the specifics of the victory. All I've got to do is I'm going to respond in faith, and therefore I know I will win this. And so I always hold up the shield. The devil may come back and say, but how is this going to happen? How are you going to get that money? How are you going to pay that bill? I don't know how I'm going to pay that bill, but God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's what I know. I know what God has said. I know what the Scripture says. I have, don't have to know exactly how. I just know it's mine. I have the answer. See, when you become resolute in that and you speak the Word, if you need something more specific, the Holy Spirit will get you more specific information about what it is that you're facing. And He'll show you how better to fight your battle. But in the meantime, you respond with what you know. And that's what Jesus did. And of course, Jesus had a tremendous knowledge of the Word. But He immediately knew that you put up your shield when the enemy comes. That's how we fight. You don't go into reason. You don't try to feel your way through. You don't try to deal with things through your emotions. You don't do any of that. You win your battles through the arena of faith. Well, that's all the time I've got for this message. But we're going to begin a new series very soon and 20 more episodes on another subject. And I'm not quite sure yet what I'm going to do, but I tell you one thing, it's going to be good. So don't miss it. Thank you very much.